0: Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. All right, recording has started. Now you're legally, you're legally aware of. Have you done any
1: Zoom things uh, recently? I did one um, a couple weeks ago on uh, when I was in vacation. In vacation? On vacation? Uh, oh wow! In, in Hawaii, I did one. Uh, wow. Wow. Um, but I. I, it's funny though, because I went from it was like when I stopped doing them, I'm like, thank God, I never want to do them again. And then when I did, I you know, when I made five hundred dollars on my vacation for forty minutes in my hotel room, I'm like, this is kind of ridiculously easy, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, I could see that. I don't think many people. You're one of the few people that's like was really getting paid. I think to do good Zoom shows.
1: Yeah, I don't know why anyone would be doing a. I know I talked to people who are like, they liked Zoom open mics, and I'm like, that's, I don't know. That's one of those things. If you got good at it, what is that even a skill? I know. (laughs) You know, I know. I
0: saw live, I've seen live some people who I know have like kind of thrived in the Zoom world Mm -hmm. for comedy. And one of them is a person that I've known for a long time. That was, you know, has been like kind of in and out of comedy and it's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to use genderless pronouns to keep it completely anonymous. Okay. Um, they have been, uh, that I, like, I would say they are fine and it hasn't improved them. I saw another person that was like really crushing, uh, zoom stuff, like headlining stuff as a very new comic. And then just like trying to do a material very obviously at this open mic, a live in person open mic. And it was like the timing was no good. Uh, long pauses because probably it takes, you know, you, it's all, you're already got to pause for laughter awkwardly sometimes anyway, right? And then you add in like the lag of the internet connection of everybody on the, on the zoom call. And this person was, uh, didn't have a great set, I would say.
1: Well, it's interesting because it's – the difference between a good set and a great set on Zoom is not much. Mm-hmm. And I think in person it is. You, you know, you True. can you, you can leave a Zoom open mic or a Zoom show and be like, yeah, I think that was uh, – you know, because it's not what's, – what's killing feel like on a Zoom? <laughs> yeah. Also <you> – know? <laughs>
0: One other thing about it is, is like, I, some of these people need to learn to feel embarrassed sometimes, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> I've bombed a
1: lot and felt rightfully embarrassed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I I do. I do. I also think that um, I just am, you know, I'm old enough that I don't. There are people who look at open mics almost like they're uh, a scientist. Uh, And it's it's just like whatever the results are, like I got up there and I but I am a scientist who, when my experiment uh, is not successful, I feel a deep sense of scientific shame. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. I feel like there's uh, there's people out there raising awareness and people out there searching for the cure, you know, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I would like to be one of these people searching for the cure. And when I don't find it, I'm quite upset about it
1: yeah it is it is interesting i i listen to um uh Bennington quite a bit a show on uh satellite radio and he he says that when he interviews comics he'll say he'll say that you know you go up there to kill and I never thought about that concept because it's like of course, what else would you right do but I kinda know what he's saying uh he's not saying it to me, but for the people he's talking to. Uh, because there is a difference there are people who go up and they're uh you know obviously they want it to go well but it's just a mm-hmm. different s- sort of um uh there. are i don't know there is a, a certain a certain comic who goes up and i think i'm one of them who i'm like oh i don't you know i'm not gonna panic if i don't kill but at the same time that's the intended consequence any anything less than like that's why there's all these stupid battle terms of like killing and dying and, and I destroy destroyed <laughs> and, <laughs> crushing. Know. But yeah. there, there is that sense of, um, even though I love the audience, if they love me, uh, I do have that when I'm five minutes in and I'm like, Oh, this sounds terrible it's bad, but it, it's like, Oh, I own them now. Yes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I, I they didn't know it, but we were fighting and I won. Yeah. But it's to their benefit. It's their like benefit a broken horse, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to be fine. The next whatever, 40 to 50, whatever minutes, we're going to be fine. Yeah, it is a broken horse. Exactly where it's yeah. like. um. So there is this weird, uh, you know, and it's not angry. I'm not like, fuck you guys. I will defeat you. But when it happens, it's like. It's almost like the crowd and you relax and you're like, okay. Um, and then it's almost cheating when you try your new stuff. Sure. Because that that rhythm's been established and they're just like, you know, he talks, we laugh. Here we go. Here we go. And then you sneak something new in and you're like, that shouldn't have really worked. But yeah, You'll find no. the
0: false confidence to like you try a tag that night and it works and then you try it for like weeks because you're like that works so well that one time and yeah. then you're like nine months down the road and this tag has eaten shit every time but you believe in it because one time in February and you know the yeah. perfect circumstances it worked.
1: You're like what that sh- what federal way. That room lit the fuck up when I did that line. I'll chase it for six months now.
0: I know. I have. That's- I have this one line that I believe in that did well in Seattle of all places, which is actually a place where I would say good lines go to die a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was like it's this line. I mean, you're like we've seen each other perform a lot. I have a line that I say a lot that doesn't usually get a big reaction. Which is, I say, uh, I'm going to give you the very coveted male side of child delivery, and I don't. I think sometimes in like a rowdy environment, they don't realize that like I'm in on the joke that that's stupid to give the male side of child delivery.
1: I've I've actually, you know, because we work together so many times, there are times the crowd. It's not that they even they they just don't even respond. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. Sometimes they do. But you know what? I, I agree with you. That's one of those lines where you're like to the crowd. You're like, he's saying he's understand. You guys are getting it. You yeah. are following along. I'll, I t- know. Okay. I'll tell you my line. I'll tell you mine that I do that annoys me because I wanted to do better. Is I say, uh, I'm not uh, a marriage counselor. And I've been told that by a marriage counselor. Oh, yeah. That's a good line. It's one out of three nights it is you know, <laughs> but it's not like it brings the show to a screeching halt, but in my head, I'm like that I wanted that to do better, you know, yeah, I have another line like
0: that that's so the cat and dog joke that I do, um if by the way, if anyone's listening and hasn't seen this is very exciting, it hasn't seen me perform very exciting to hear about jokes they haven't heard, but I say, uh uh that i wanted to get a dog because my wife or no that my wife and i lived in an apartment building that wouldn't let us have a dog that's why we wanted a kid by the way if i said it like that every night it would be even worse i butchered it completely (laughs) it's slightly more clever than that the delivery but that line is literally the catalyst of that joke is i want a kid it was the first line i thought of and that was the first joke i ever did on stage and uh That line has never done well ever at any point in the history of that joke. It's my favorite line in the whole joke. It's never done, it's never done well at an open mind. It's never once done well. It should be gone, but I'm married to it at this point.
1: (laughs) I, it's a, if you really believe in a line or a joke as a comedian, that is a bad sign. (laughs) i was thinking about this though because i was gonna
0: bring this up a second ago but then we got onto this topic is you hear those stories about like uh like chris rock and uh chris rock has that n words versus black people joke that white people love to use to justify saying the n just
1: say it you pussy just (laughs) (laughs) please don't
0: uh and then louis ck uh, some years later had the joke where he uses the N word, which is, I don't think it might not even be the only joke where he uses the N word, but it's a joke where he yeah. uses the N word. And in both those cases, I believe that Chris rock was told like that joke's never going to work. And then I believe if the story, if I understand the story correctly, Chris rock told Louis CK that the, his N word joke was never going to work. Uh, and I, those topics are so tough like so polarizing, so third rail. To and I've heard the stories of like both those jokes as I understand it. These iconic jokes for these guys careers yeah. uh bombed for like a full
1: year. Wow. See, I don't that that would have never happened to me because I wouldn't have made it a year. <laughs> I would have been my my story would have been like I tried it twice and then I was like, forget it.
0: Yeah. Well, especially those two, like, like I have a story that I've been telling that's not going great about my wife almost burning down our apartment. Okay. And the stakes of that are very low because if I tell that joke poorly, I don't get kicked out of my local comedy scene. You know what I mean? Like I don't get banned from rooms. Yeah. Um, we should talk about your book early. I've been trying to. Anytime okay. I have a guest on, I want to get them to talk about like the stuff there that they have to promote early, and then one hundred percent of the time it starts off like this, where I get too far into a, conver- a com- like some conversation, right, unrelated. So you have uh, a podcast recently renamed the Rutledge.
1: Mm-hmm. Doesn't um, sound good, does it? I regret that.
0: It's that it doesn't sound bad, it sounds a little bit like a, a bed and breakfast somewhere, you know. It
1: really, it really, welcome to the Rutledge. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have a book called Happiness Isn't Funny, which is the former title of the Rutledge. I think we should point
1: that out. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, the things that same feed has seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you
0: just released a book which we had talked about this, but I guess somehow. Uh, through my own selfishness, i let it sneak past me that you were releasing it like this week or last week, last week.
1: Yes. Well, once once I got the stuff, once I realized I could, I just rushed into it because it had taken so long. Uh, yes. Uh, I wrote a I guess a children's book for adults um, called There's No Fucking Way You're Getting a Pony. Um you could say it's a rip off of uh, go the fuck to sleep and you would be fairly correct sure. uh, but uh uh yeah it's uh it took a really long time to get it out so i'm i'm finally happy it yeah. it, it came out but um all the all the pictures all the artwork is of uh, of my daughter olive but from 4 years ago when i had the idea That's um funny. and uh so, I had an artist eventually, I had someone I just paid someone to do artwork um and so yeah, it's uh, uh available on uh amazon and uh oh, I should now that I'm thinking about it, I should put a link on my website. I don't have that yet. Does anyone go to websites anymore? I'm not sure, but
0: I don't think so I yeah. Mean- you know it's like one of those things i almost feel like i should just redirect my website to my instagram or something like that you know
1: yeah it is it's it's professional use now sort of you know what i mean like hey you want to find some of my headshots or probably out of date headshots uh here's my website but uh but yeah it's uh it's you know by the time anything comes out i've really lost all sense of the original idea and whether or not it's funny or if it's terrible, you know what I mean? You just look at it or you're trying to do it over and over again, you know, even, even on a smaller level when you're like trying to edit certain video or a certain five minute set, you're just like, is this even funny? Yeah. This, I've just been analyzing it so much, you know, I heard, this, um,
0: I heard this quote. I, I've in my mind, it's attributed to Tom Petty, but it could be somebody else or it could be not him at all. Anybody at all. But it's a, uh, Tom Petty used to say, uh, I don't finish albums. The studio takes them from me. And I oh. feel like I'm like, I don't finish projects. I just want them the fuck out of my hands because I'm so goddamn sick of looking at them.
1: There's a couple. Well, what's uh, another good quote is don't let, oh man, uh, don't let the pursuit of perfect get in the way of good.
0: Oh, yeah. Don't, I've heard it as don't make perfect the enemy of good
1: that's better. That one I think about sometimes in comedy because or a children's book because it's it's uh you know, you can just tinker forever. Yeah. You can tinker your life away. Uh and the other thing, I just heard uh I don't even know that much about her. Fran Lebowitz. Do you know oh, okay. Fran Lebowitz? She's I, like a yeah. photographer and but it was just like some promo for some show she was on and she said I'm misquoting but this is the general thing. She's like the only <laughs> the only people who say they love writing aren't good at writing.
0: <laughs> Damn, that is actually that is great to hear.
1: And because... <laughs> yeah, partly I wanted to be like that means I'm good, but yeah. <laughs> but the other part of that is like, yeah, cuz I feel that way I do write, so I feel that about writing, but I also feel that about comedy where there's people who are most of the people who um just love to go to the coffee shop and sit down with their notebook every day. It's just, it's, they're just jerking off. They're not doing anything. I know. Even I know. the people who are known for writing, like let's say Mark Norman or something like he doesn't like it.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> it makes him miserable. Yeah. That he can't. Yeah. I, yeah. I think there's this thing that happens. I think I mostly escaped this. Uh, and maybe it's because I was trying to like, because I had the right amount of shame and embarrassment. Because comedy is, like, embarrassing at the early stages. The whole fucking first several yes. years is just so embarrassing. And it's it's your wife showing up to a show, and there's four people there, and you're going to bomb no matter how good you are or bad you are. Yeah, It's, you know, like, I had a guy that, listened, he, like, read a blog of mine in, like, the early 2010s, whatever we call that decade. He was... Early podcast listener and came and saw me the first show I did back after we had our kid, I believe, at this like barely anybody but comics in the crowd show. And I did like 40 minutes off the bench, basically. Yeah. And uh, I took it because it's like, yeah, I want to do all of my material and get it back, right? He that's the only show he ever came to. And I know he came to that show and he's like, why the fuck is he even pursuing this? You know? Yeah
1: um and yeah i have yeah he sees your posts and he's like he's still going
0: yeah he's like it must take nothing to be a bookable comedian like no (laughs) talent at all uh and i've been able to at least avoid those like the trappings of like uh the like oh man i'm trying to i'll shit on this one because a lot of people do it and i think they deserve to know that it's stupid is the thing where they take a picture of like the stage before the show and they go this is tonight's office like oh you're the first off you're one of a thousand comedians who did that today okay Uh, second off like it's not a fucking office you're stop stop with this
1: yeah and also they always take that picture before the show so you can't see the 18 people in a room that holds 350. You know, <laughs>
0: yeah, you can't see how similar to an office it sounded in there.
1: Hey, how come no one showed up to the office today? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the I uh there's a couple others that I are too specific, but I'm happy to say I'm off that I make fun of this. But I make fun of the specific person for to their face, but I guess I don't need to broadcast it to the. Thirty people that listen to this podcast. Can I say uh,
1: one? I hope I don't know if this is anyone. Oh man, I'm just gonna say it. So hopefully it doesn't hit anyone that I know. Um, I'll just acknowledge I do some weird shit too. But the picture of the notebook.
0: Yeah, that's one that I was gonna say and it was omitting because it is for. Oh sure shit! <laughs> shit!
1: Just like here's it, the magic, folks. It's, it's right somebody near. that
0: we know and I like. But I know better than you do. And okay. I will tell you who it is after the podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because you you literally could not have hit the bullseye oh, no. <laughs> harder on what I was trying to avoid talking about. <laughs> I'm not editing this out. Oh but, shit. And by the way, the guy's a fine comic. And but yeah, like the to me the thing is I think a lot of times people don't love writing. They love the idea of other people seeing them right, right? Like my my mom, for example, when she posts uh, on, she's a classic example of a person who posts only the best moments of her life through the rosiest glasses on social media, right? And I know that the truth is not that because she told me something different the exact day she posted that thing, right? And, uh, And I think that that's like, uh, I think that for comedy, it's like some of this shit is like it's the people who want to be like cool instead of funny are like they said that seems to be a growing group, you know?
1: Yeah, these are these are things that, um, that sort of uh, you know, I'm a youthful 47. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I feel in some ways a youthful 47, in some ways like a a mental 68. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have hair, but my brain is like <laughs> almost all timers occasionally. Um, but it's that just the different waves that you see when you've done comedy 20 years of like. Um, there was, you know, the alt comedy, which isn't a term you hear anymore, Uh, but it was just sort of like the Patton Oswalt you know, Maria Bamford sort of brand of comedy, but then that trickles down to like the open mic level and it was like, it was interesting, but it was like that I'm not blaming the top of those people, but that turned very arrogant that was like Patton Oswalt is telling you he's not cool. Right. That's part of what's so funny about him yeah and so but, like this it's almost this arrogant nerd comedy got me where i'm like what is this right i don't even understand i don't like an arrogant jock perspective either there's that thing where you're like oh, that person's what had they won everything else and they needed to conquer comedy now what the fuck are they doing here you know so it, it is it is weird though to uh to just see the uh uh, the different, not that you have to go on stage and be like, oh, I'm the biggest piece of shit that ever lived. And I, you know, I've never had a win in my life. And, uh, but it is, yeah, it is this weird. There are times where you watch someone's act and you go, Do you just want us to think you're cool? Yeah.
0: I, I talked to, uh, Kermit Apio, mutual friend Kermit Apio. I'll, I'll name drop the celebs in my life. <laughs> you should. Um, I did a set with him and i i hadn't it was actually right before i uh headlined tacoma comedy club for the first time we did a brunch show together and i emceed and i don't i mean kermit's probably i don't know if i ever have done a show with kermit what do we got there make sure i'm glad you're covering the label so i don't get uh you know some sort of copyright infringement <laughs> uh
1: that we got oh, make-
0: the gabriel rutledge special
1: yeah we got to make a little ultra um I'm I'm so loopy right now because I go I I done, I basically didn't sleep. My mm-hmm. um, I, fl- I went to I left for the airport at 3 a.m. Slept on a few flights and then when I got here, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. When I got here, I crashed for like 90 minutes and then I just woke up like I don't know where I am. I don't know what time <laughs> of day it is. I don't know. <laughs> Let's throw some domestic light beer on top of it and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I so Kermit O he hadn't I bet he hasn't seen my act ever if he has it's been like it was like a short show I'm trying to even think if we ever have done a show together but oh no we did actually right he saw me feature in like a rowdy room in Yelm and I don't think it was again it's like if that was the only time Kermit had ever seen me yeah his opinion was probably like yeah he's fine like not there's nothing special I didn't see any and I had like a good you know a good set in front of me and he, and he said uh you're very self-deprecating, and I don't see that very often anymore. And I, I'm not like a. First off, I don't believe that. I hate the like. I don't believe that you can only punch up in comedy. I think that's like complete bullshit. Yeah, of um, course. I so I'm not. That's not the reason I'm self-deprecating. I just think it's the funniest. Maybe it's selfish. Like I want to get the laugh on both ends. You know, like I yeah laugh at me and with me. You know, right. Um. But yeah, the, the, it feels like this is kind of like what's happened in the world is it's like the, we went from like jocks are cool to like, oh, nerd shit is actually okay also. And we can be arrogant about it and call you stupid. to now like the nerds are now the bully jocks. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. it's like this full, like the meek have inherited the earth and they're not doing a great job with it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. They're not part, doing any better than the Jocks were.
1: That part wasn't in the Bible. The meek shall inherit the earth, and also be assholes. That wasn't mentioned. <laughs> Can yeah, I tell that, you a very, a very quick Kermit PO non judgmental story? Because he's a, he's like notoriously, uh, like the nicest guy in comedy.
0: He had a seven year period where he was trying an N word bit. Is that what we're gonna get to? <laughs>
1: He just stuck with it. He he kept saying, "I'm Hawaiian. I'm allowed." And I was like, "No, Kermit, you're not." <laughs> uh, we were at the Tulalip Casino, which mm-hmm. it was it—you know, a Northwest Everett area casino gig that went forever. The host—I was middling. Kermit was headlining. This is a thousand years ago, but it just sums them up so perfect. The host I would never saw before or since. That's a weird thing that happens in comedy where you're like, I thought I knew every Northwest. Who is this person? And then you never see that. You're like, what was the first time they tried comedy hosting at a r- rural casino? But <laughs> he bombed. He was filthy. Just so filthy. He bombed so bad. It was so awkward. And I'm standing next to Kermit and he just looks at me and he goes, well, he's uh, he's got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: the sweetest way to say someone is horrific. Yes. That I've ever yeah. It was.
1: It was almost the Northwest Hawaiian equivalent of bless his heart. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that is true. Kermit has a lot in common with because uh, with uh, Southern women, which is also his love for pie. Is the other the that's other an, thing? Yes, another. That? That's also that's true. Maybe the only other thing. But I felt like I could get a jab in on the pie. Um yeah it, some of those people too they trickle past the hosting there's like some headliners we've talked about a headliner who the only reason i hesitate to say his name is because he somehow got your number and called you without ever having met you so who knows where, how how deep his tentacles reach you know <laughs> but you i think you know who i'm talking about right uh he's got a oh boy how could i describe him without um spiky hair very spiky hair um okay do you think you know can i hold on let me see if i can type it into this chat so that
1: i think i know but i don't know how to guess without
0: yeah let me look at your computer and see if the chat pops okay okay yep gotcha okay so that guy (laughs) makes me go like uh, the same guy the same two guys who have booked the shows that i've worked with him on I can't like advance with them easily. You know what I mean? Like I've not tried incredibly hard with either one, but I'm like, how is it that that guy just keeps like circulating through? He's got dates every year in Mm -hmm. this area, these exact rooms, you know, keeps running through and I'm not saying I need to be the guy that gets the chance. Just how does he keep getting those opportunities, right? How did you reach that? That's the thing that I'm wondering is like, how do you reach that level now where you're like unknown, but dependable enough that you can do like a bad sports bar in North of Seattle? You know what I mean?
1: Well, I think it's, I think it's harder than it used to be to be one of those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's harder than it used to be to be a comedian that every other comedian hates. <laughs> they're I'm like... trying
0: to take that title, actually.
1: <laughs> there is there is some success. I've often thought about that. There's been very few times in my career where people go, Rutledge got that. Are you fucking kidding me? And That's <laughs> that's how I know I haven't been that lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, but it it it's harder to be that just like journeyman comedian who gets booked because they've been around a while but it that's always such a frustrating thing where it's like because bookers are always like hey it's a numbers game i only have uh i only have uh so many uh spots right and then you're like yeah that that makes a lot of sense and and then you see you know some of these names we're talking about and you're just like but why them right you you know what i mean like why they're not you know there's even when i used to work at harvey's comedy club in portland oregon a rest in peace maybe it'll come back in some form and someday but uh i literally worked with a guy there because the guy who used to book it and own it was very much like these are the relationships i have And if I book someone new, it's going to come from these relationships. It's going to be a recommendation. And so there was there was a time where Harvey's headliners. I mean, I swear a third of them would have to come out of retirement to do the show. (laughs) I worked with a guy. I can't remember his name. Ed something. I would say it. But he was the kind of guy who like 10 minutes into his set would remove his hat. And then you realize the long hair was attached to the hat. Yes. Uh, to the delight of the room. Sure. Um, and he told me, he's like, hey, <laughs> I think I can say all this shit at this point. But he's like, hey, uh, don't tell Barry or anything. But I haven't I've been retired for three years. <laughs> He's like I I live in like this uh like mobile home out in the woods uh in like I can't remember like Kansas or something. He's like mm-hmm. Barry calls me and I'm like, yeah, I'll go to Portland for a week. I'll I'll have a vacation. I'll dust sure. off the old act and like so it's like there's that thing where there was a time where you just you got your act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The first 60 minutes that occurred to your brain. You rode that out for the next 20, 30 years, and you just – and that time is gone yeah. uh, more than it used to be. It's still kind of hanging on, but it's – it's um because you don't see that at the club level that often. You don't see, like, yeah. how is that guy here every year and, you know, because um, there's some
0: – If you see it at the club level, and I'm speaking very specifically about a local club, that's not a club. That's a place – That's calling itself a club. Yeah. It's not a club, right? Like, yeah, the, the, yeah, I agree. I, uh, I think that there's like part of me that's like, those guys can want, can you guys just quit, please? Like, could you do it for them? Like, what are you, what are you hanging on to? Like, especially the guy that I put in there, those gigs I'm talking about, it's not like, like, I've heard people say, like, oh, Jay Leno is still doing jokes. That are like from the nineties.
1: Fine, let him. Yeah, but he's making a
0: hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could understand. When you're making six (laughs) hundred dollars and you need you gotta buy a fucking plane ticket with that six hundred dollars, that's a different equation, right?
1: Yes, and a lot of these a lot of these people that I'm thinking of, and it's sort of you know, going the way of the buffalo. It's not Mm As prevalent as it used to be, there was it was like people who like would never fly right where it was they would just be like, "Oh, I got a bed in my van, mm-hmm. I gotta you know it was just like they were just I'm not saying it was a good life, but that's how busy they were, right where it was just you know I got these connections and i can I can work these one nighters forever." You know they're selling forty eight things after the show. Eventually, (laughs) the merch just keeps growing and growing and and growing. The shot glasses and you know everything else. Uh, And that is kind of going away, but it it is this weird. I I have responded jokingly to a Booker email when they gave me this standard. I only have fifty two headlining weeks a year. I'd have to bump someone. I responded jokingly, but I wasn't really joking. I responded, let me see your 52. I'll tell you who I should replace. (laughs) And they were just like, ha ha. You know, but I'm like, I'm not fucking kidding. Like, yeah, (laughs) because they act like, hey, you know, if I get I can't get rid of any of these people. And then you're like, again, it's not. When they're saying I only have 52 headliners a year, it's not Bill Burr they're talking about.
0: Right. I think it's excusable when you're like, oh, that that person might suck as a stand-up, but people like them and buy tickets. Mm -hmm. That's excusable. But, yeah, the place we're talking – the place I'm talking about, the places I assume you're talking about, it's not – yeah, they're not – you're not saying like – Oh, I mean, to even say a comedian might be insulting. You're not like, oh, Jeff Foxworthy should go away. Who's actually defend Jeff Jeff Foxworthy a little bit. But uh, you're not saying that you're saying, no, you know,
1: (laughs) no, no. I'm not saying, hey, I'm funnier than that person is successful Mm -hmm. because a lot of (laughs) a lot of comedians try that route too. where like, why are they booking all these people that sell out every show? I'm funnier than them. It's like, well. You're really showing your stupidity right now because i understand yeah. that i, I understand
0: i had a person oh man maybe this is an off the podcast conversation yeah i'll save it for off the podcast <laughs> it'll be it'll be brief but it was like it was somebody that like really showed you'll you know occasionally you meet someone i actually think i was probably one of these people that was just like emotionally mature for comedy and uh then occasionally and I would I would say I've done this also you, they like show their naivete like yeah uh, you're like I remember I used to be like why are there no showcase clubs in this area and it's like oh the reason is is because we don't have enough good comics for that and they're uh like the New York showcase clubs all those comics would be our best headliners here right and we don't have enough of them to headline our clubs let alone to to you know do 15 minutes four times a week at our clubs
1: yeah it it's not the showcases would not be a new york showcase if you're a comedy fan people show up and you're like holy shit so and so's here yeah you know and
0: so and so and the other so and so there's like three so and sos on this show
1: yes and we yeah. don't even we did that 10th anniversary Tacoma comedy club show. Was that this year? Yes. Jesus, man. (laughs) I don't, time is gone. Uh, and it was like, it was like a really fun show, but it still wasn't like, there was not really anyone in the crowd who was like, man, this is the Northwest all stars. What a night, (laughs) you know? Uh, so it is, it is, it is, uh, You know, when an audience member says to a comedian they like, you're super funny. How come you're not headlining this club or how come you're not on Netflix or whatever? I understand that. But when a fellow comedian is like, look, we all bitch and grouse about some YouTube star who's headlining and what. But you have to understand it on Mm -hmm. some level. They're trying to sell chicken strips and... (laughs) Mickle of ultras and they can sell more of those when they're there like how do you you have to be able to understand that on some level of just like you know you can't just be like uh why aren't why aren't they running their business with this really expensive lease and liquor license like it's an artistic experiment why aren't they doing that
0: yeah i just want to show you why this podcast is not going on video this time do you see this (laughs) I got the air conditioner off and I fucking, oh my God, this is fucking horrific.
1: Is that the Olympia coffee?
0: It does. Yeah. That's a, it's an Olympia based coffee company. We have, where is that? There's, like, four of them down there. It's the best coffee in uh, Washington State. My Olympia coffee shirt, for the people that are never going to see this, who's everybody, has a straight, like, (laughs) across-the-middle bar of tit sweat that I was like, oh, that must be a shadow. There's no way that's sweat this whole time. And I lifted my arms up, and the bar moved, and it's (laughs)
1: fucking disgusting see kermit what choice does he have he has to be (laughs) (laughs) self-deprecating you have a olympia coffee shirt i have a saint martin's university shirt this is a very south sound represented true true uh,
0: (laughs) i found out that uh there's this meat company called olympia provisions that's based in portland never been in olympia it's it's named after some like roman shit or greek shit whatever oh okay yeah um yeah what this uh i can't remember what we were talking about. oh the people yeah i uh i have kind of been like you know we've seen some consolidation of talent in our region comedy club wise sure and it, it used to be pretty often like go show up at the club you're probably you know one out of four times you'll get a guest spot uh be able to get in free sit in a pretty good seat if you want to hang out in the back. Uh, now it's like, well, we added four shows this weekend because whatever YouTube star or whatever is there. So no, you can't do a guest spot. They brought an opener and we barely, we had to bump our feature down to MC. Yeah. And, uh, no, you can't sit in the back because every booth is overfilled or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, of course to the legal capacity, not, uh, I'm not outing anybody. Um yeah, it's just changed and I'm like, you know, I think that that shit that's like the and also the clubs, some of the clubs here also really care about they're not just bringing in exclusively shitty big sellers, right? Like they care about the product that's going
1: on the stage, but I think the best clubs do, the best clubs even though they have you know, they're gonna book someone who will sell tickets, obviously. I think they yeah. do try to curate a certain uh you know what they want for their club and a certain level of talent. And the best clubs do care. The best clubs care too much. Yeah, you know, true. they overanalyze their booking like we overanalyze our our, our jokes. You know yeah. really good clubs are like they spend time figuring out Like, who should open for me? Right. Like, oh, we got, I think this is a perfect match. And I'm just like, what? I mean, I'll follow a juggler. What are we talking about? You know what I mean? Like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've had a couple. I mean, I've had a couple times where they're like, no, you're not a good fit with this person. We're like, I'll get bumped. This is probably actually a sign of a very good club is I'll get. I'll find out that the headliner changed and they're like, yeah, sorry. So you're not booked that weekend anymore and I'm like oh really like I I mean with Mike Epps it's happening I know I know by the way first off I'm sure Mike Epps brings his own guy uh but also I'm not a great fit for Mike Epps I understand that
1: I I just got I got I was gonna do something at Tacoma Comedy Club that was like a headline a couple days middle a couple days and then that's what was offered to me. But I said, no. And then those dates got canceled. So oh, four goodness. days later, I texted back and said, I'm sure it's not available anymore, but just in case. And they were like, well, I can pitch you to just middle for Damon Wayans senior. And I'm like, OK. And then it was like two days later. Sorry. And I'm like, I don't I just I just felt like I lost something. What just, yeah. what just I hate this. I didn't even want to do it anyway.
0: I know. I've had uh I got pitched for Whitney Cummings, which I talked about on this podcast, and Sam Merrill, and then our mutual friend Ronan Hirschberg. So I, I had this like I mean I have these like things I will allow my when something exciting is potentially gonna happen. I will allow my mind – I remember the time – I I submitted a writing packet one time for this show called uh, Black and White on Annie. In retrospect, it was so far away from what you might want out of a writing packet. Like I've since actually researched what goes into a writing right. packet. It was way off. I was pricing rent in New York when I <laughs> – not an exaggeration. Not an exaggeration. So I – I almost get booked to work with Whitney Cummings and it's 10 limited capacity sold out shows at Spokane comedy club. And, uh, I'm like, not only is, am I going to make five grand is what was my, that was my estimate on merch sales and, and show pay. Not only am I going to make five grand, she's going to like me so much. She's going to take me on the road with me by this time next year, my daughter is going to be calling her aunt Whitney. And she picked a guy from Portland who's probably fine. I've never seen him perform. I don't I have no doubt that he's fine. And then our pal Ron Hershberg opened for her at McGooby's in Maryland. And I was like, Oh, when she comes to Portland, for sure she'll have the guy that she chose to open for her in Spokane that's from Portland open for her. No, Ron on Hershberg goes to Portland. He's living my dream, except for he doesn't have a daughter to call her Aunt Whitney, you know. <laughs> uh he
1: he just calls her Aunt Whitney
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's part of the deal that's part of the contract uh so I've had like a couple of those disappointments um where yeah it's like I but in both cases it's like not only was I gonna make a lot of money but I was also gonna have to in both cases I was booked to work out of town that weekend or maybe work in town or whatever but it was gonna be like okay on short notice like literally 24 hours notice turn your entire life upside down because you're like i can't miss this might be the opportunity that i need like this might be the thing you don't know what it's going to be but if i'm going to say what it might be there's a better probability that it's uh working with whitney cummings this this like woman who has four specials she's executive produced a bunch of shows she's written on everything she's made movies her versus like uh you know, some fucking Gabriel Rutledge show in Everett or whatever. That, right. No, that's, but, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm being sarcastic. But the, I get it. But the like, there's uh, whatever it was. And I actually think it was like, I, I said your name because I don't want to say who the actual person was. Because it would be uh, uh, very insulting to that person. But um, yeah, like I, I actually did the Todd Royce and Friends in Arizona. And it was like, I could do Todd Royce and Friends or go work with Sam Murill in Oklahoma City. I mean, we both agreed. Todd and I both agreed. Like, yeah, take that fucking, if you can go there and work with a comic that's like, not only do I like, I like Whitney Cummings comedy, I like uh, Sam Marill's comedy. But yeah, I'm also going to make a shitload more money there than splitting an Airbnb in and, you know, taking a portion of the show pay or whatever at uh, a Todd Royce and Friends.
1: Well, that's what's so look, most almost everything leads to nothing, but it right. could. It could. And so that's it. It's like you don't know. Uh And also there's so many no's in comedy that if right. you just thinking about even the possibility of a yes, you're like, this is going to change everything. And I did the same thing when I, you know, I've been headlining forever, but it's like I was going to middle for Ron White. And I'm like, he's going to love me. How could he not love me? I'm going to be on some sort of like Showtime Ron White present show. I feel it. I'm already there, dude.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm already already... getting fitted for cowboy boots.
1: (laughs) They call me Ambrosia salad. (laughs) Is that I'm working on my new pitch. Is,
0: is that like watermelon and marshmallows or some shit I, like that?
1: Yeah, it's. I've never ate one that I thought. would it's it's too much going on at the same time. Really, yeah. It's. I feel like ambrosia salad is the 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 sixty nine of salads. There's too much happening.
0: <laughs> I can't concentrate <laughs> on
1: receiving or giving pleasure. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is wet and fruity. What is happening in this salad right now? Is that a marshmallow? Come on. <laughs> uh
0: that's funny yeah i mean i and i uh the funny thing about that is that I'm, i think you're aware of this but that gig got moved uh into august or whatever like that's that's bounced around everything is so uncertain right now right like the I was supposed to open for Pete Lee a couple of weeks ago, and then we've both worked with this booker, and she seems very uh, nice and honest, and she's like, you know, tickets aren't selling well, it gets postponed, et cetera. She tries to debut a show in the middle of August or the end of August. That's, or, sorry, end of July. That's yeah. difficult. That's a tough, tough tour. Very. Um, yeah, and then, like, I ended, so that was actually, what's funny about that weekend is so I was supposed to open for Chris Porter in Spokane that weekend and then I got bumped by Mike Epps and then uh a guy that I had had on my podcast got booked for sorry then I got booked for Bobcat Goldthwaite this coming weekend then I got booked for Pete Lee that weekend and I was like well shit I'm now it's like I've filled in both weekends that's awesome Pete Lee gets canceled and then this dude named Mike Cannon who did my podcast a long time ago, who I like a lot, I like his comedy and we got along pretty well and would have gotten along well in Spokane, I'm sure. He gets booked. I will say a little bit on my recommendation. Like the person who booked him was aware that he'd been on my podcast and was like, yeah. is he good? And I was like, yeah, he's great. Check out this YouTube special that he put out. And uh they were like, do you wanna go work with him? And I had rearranged my whole life already multiple times to, to accommodate all the changes already and so i said no and then the pete lee thing gets changed and i have turned down gigs this weekend because i'm going to i've turned down at least two full weekends of gigs for this specific weekend because i'm in spokane which i want to be in spokane that's where i wanted to be yeah but uh yeah it's just it's just a an insane carousel of bullshit right now because you if you would have yeah, of course, your wife would have been mad that you were going to skip your son's graduation and go work Ron White. Of course, but now you wouldn't have even had to. That's true. I know it. It
1: did. Uh, I will. I will point out uh, when it rescheduled. I was not offered the rescheduled week. I will point that out.
0: Yeah, it, I, I know who got it, and I know that that person went with the gig. It.
1: Uh... That's fine. That's fine. It's. I mean, where I am right now in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was here last year, almost to I think last week a year ago I was here. Whoa. And I remember uh I was hoping it got canceled. Mm-hmm. I was I was sending like emails to the booker like, "Hey, almost like I was hoping he would say I have to cut your money." And so I could have a way. I wanted out. I wanted out, but he did not give me the out. So I came, it was like, you know, a stressful time to travel. It was, uh, you know, not that many people at the shows. And I am back a year later. And don't get me wrong, it's better. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of depressing because I'm like, the guy's like, yeah, we're not doing that great as far as attendance. Because Arkansas, their vaccination rate is super low mm-hmm. you know it's dead in arkansas yeah it's he's like people are kind of freaked out right now uh so he's like i'm not you know keep your expectations low and it's like you look i'm not it's better than it was a year ago but i'm like i can't fucking believe i'm still like dealing with this sort of uh uh thing and uh it's, I don't know, it makes me wish, it makes me wish I was in a business where, look, it's affected everything. Of course, everyone hates coronavirus. We're all mentally frazzled, and I understand that. But to be in a business where it was like, I just got to go to work, but I had to wear a mask or, <laughs> you know, or, uh, but to be in like almost, uh, I was going to say frontline, but that's not, I don't mean like a doctor or a nurse. I just mean like the first thing to go. I'm in the first thing to go business. You know, it's non-essential, you know? So it's like, I've lost shows again. Mm -hmm. I had like three shows cancel. Uh, So it's not at all like it was in March, 2020, but it's just like to have that happen again, it's just so depressing. I mean, it's so hard to be like, is this, oh, we're just going to go up and down on this forever. And, yeah, and you I know. think you
0: and I—I I sent you a thing earlier this week. Like it feels to me, and you might have said this exact thing on your podcast or alluded to something similar. I also, I wanna, I wanna diagnose the last podcast. You were coming back from a show, right? Talking into your earbud—is that right?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Which, by the way, I've thought about doing that a lot, and then you just—I just think of all the drivers watching. I know they don't know I'm talking to myself. They might think I'm talking on the phone, but I have to look fucking insane. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Because I'm not... The thing about doing a... I'm never letting the other person... If I'm on a phone call, I'm never letting the other person talk, okay? Like, I'm just talking over them the whole
1: time. Yeah, if there was a car next to me in traffic, they would be like, does he let the other side talk ever? Just... (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, wow, what he's singing seems way out of tune. (laughs) But... I want to diagnose uh my guess is two beers at the the garage you performed in.
1: No, no beers.
0: Zero beers?
1: Zero beers. You
0: had a you had a a, a feistiness of well I I think I've only seen it like in a hotel room uh after yeah. some shows that that cuz but I also will say I agree with you because the we you and I both uh on record don't like Donald Trump on record sure. uh I voted exclusively for Democrats my entire voting life but this the media has this like gap to fill now that Trump's gone and now that COVID has begun to subside that like every single possible metric is showing that the world is so much safer in measurable and material ways than it was last year. And that's with people have like gone, have returned to their normal lives in a lot of cases. Like, you know, a year ago, the number, what the numbers represented was mostly people at least in these blue states in quarantine of some type, you know? Yeah. And now people are like living their normal lives and the numbers are still like several fold better than last year at the same time and summer was the low time of last year right and we're still being fed this like fear-mongering bullshit. uh not bullshit. i mean it's still like it still has not become quote unquote the flu right but it's very likely most of that is not like you, you and i are both vaccinated we both kicked old people out of line, stole their ID <laughs> yes. and took their vaccines out of their arms and got vaccinated very early because I believe in the results of the vaccine and the results of the vaccine are fucking working like it's happening. It's. And so what you're seeing is I think more than anything, you still see these like uh, you'll see like this death rate or whatever, but you're, you're seeing a blend of everybody returned back to normal life. Right. And you're seeing a blend of vaccinated and unvaccinated people where the eventual hope – this is what people don't understand. The eventual hope is that the majority of cases are vaccinated people, not unvaccinated people, that they're vaccinated people. That would be great news for this country True. if the majority of cases were vaccinated people. yeah. And so, yeah, this like the death rate, the case fatality rates going down – The uh, positivity rate's going up, but the testing rate is going down, and still the case fatality rate's going down. Like, everything is pointing to we are making enormous progress compared to last year.
1: And that's not – look, I'm not – of course they should be reporting that – the Delta variant is is spiking right now. Of course, that is part of the story. There are certain I think <laughs> at one point, Arkansas had eight ICU beds left in the fucking state or something. Oh, yeah. Of course, it's not like I want them to ignore that. But part of the story has to be. That I can't. It's not that no one's dying, but hardly anyone is dying. Right. And I also vaccinated that's vaccinated. Well, that, but even just the actual numbers of like, there was a time it was 10,000 Americans a day were dying.
0: No, it never got to that
1: high. I think, I think we hit 10,000 a day for like at the most.
0: I think the most it ever was, was still less than 5,000. Really? Yeah, but it's, but it's still, but the, the, I'm going to pull it up right now. What we're at right now uh live i'm actually counting deaths as they come in i have a feed to my <laughs> phone <comes>
1: the, <laughs> america's favorite pastime
0: <laughs> let's see uh, it'll it'll take a moment to pop up by the way i i have a slightly modified setup for my computer and it is just on fire right now uh 657 yesterday so but i mean still we're talking like close to like it's probably like a quarter as many deaths or or a fifth as many deaths as last year this time and that's because there's still a lot of people who are unvaccinated like
1: that's and uh, also that's we're f- pretty much fully open everywhere right and that's 657 and it was like much worse during shutdowns it was you know mm-hmm. and it's so I'm not you know and I know that death isn't the only bad thing about coronavirus there's long-term things that can happen and I understand that but I just it's uh my the feistiness is my own uh the feistiness i had in that podcast is just my own frustration about uh just since march 2020 just the unknown of my fucking career and uh <clears throat> but it's also um i don't i don't quite understand If this is if this is if this is the way we're talking now about what's happening. uh, Are we just going to keep talking this way forever about coronavirus? Because I thought the general idea was there's not really there's an ending to this eventually where it's maybe it is the flu or maybe you take a yearly whatever. We don't really know yet, uh, obviously, but it's like. If we can get coronavirus manageable, if we can get it down to whatever, hopefully less than even the 500 something, 700 people that are dying yesterday or whatever, it's like. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have, but I'm just admitting. If 700 people are dying a day, that's not enough for me to ruin my life. Because people die, you know, and I feel like I'm saying this right now and they're going to play this at my fucking memorial. Uh.
0: (laughs) But no, this is the thing. This is what bothers me is I've worn the mask. I'm fine. I still, by the way, like I actually don't think it's needed to wear a mask anymore uh, as a vaccinated person. But if I go into a grocery store and the staff is wearing masks, I'm wearing a mask. If I sure. go into a grocery store and the staff isn't wearing masks, I don't feel like I need to wear a mask. I'll do that. I'll do, um, you know, I think social distancing, we should probably keep that around for a while. That's fine for like, a, I mean, at the grocery store specifically, I'm okay with that. Uh, I think that uh, there's like things that I will do because they make people feel more comfortable. I think that also it is pretty wild. And we're maybe derailing too far into this, this late into the podcast and this close to my computer dying. Um, people should be. A, I do think that uh, I'm not like I got a vaccine on purpose. I wanted it. I got it. I get why people are worried about
1: it. Yeah. You know? Sure. There's there, there's historical. I mean, it's, it's a little frustrating because in general, we just do what our doctor says or we at least accept Right. You know, even if the doctor says you should lose weight, we don't go like, you're full of shit. We just go like, well, that sounds hard. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, it, it, I get that pharmaceutical companies are bad companies. I get all that. But at the same, you know, when I got my kids' measles vaccine, I didn't say who made it. I didn't say, is this Moderna? Is this five? It's like we have to have some. So it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't even care about masks. I, I don't want to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But if, it, if everywhere I worked was like, you have to wear a mask the whole time, not performing, but like in the room, I'd be like, fine, as long as we don't cut capacity again. Right. Fine. But it's it's not forever. But it's like, you know, it's just frustrating because. Man, three weeks ago, maybe four, it was like, you're vaccinated, live your life. Mm -hmm. Do what you want. Shit's back on. Everything's great. And then cut to three or four weeks later, they're showing the pictures of Lollapalooza. Look at this super spreader event. Look at this. And I'm like, what? We were just told we could.
0: Yeah, Lollapalooza, the classic conservative gathering of (laughs) anti-vaxxers
1: i know it's just i just so when i when all that stuff is coming back but really it's more personal where i'm just like i don't to wake up to two emails and a text that are like yeah i have an abundance of caution we're gonna get rid of this show we're not doing i'm like i don't want to do this again i'm just tired i'm just tired of uh of uh having to factor it in and i'm tired of uh You know, I'm also tired of every, I'm tired of, although I'm not, I'm vaccinated if I get sick, all the odds say I'll be okay. But it's also like that aspect of like, I still have in my head, if I get sick on Little Rock, what do I do? Do I have to get a hotel room for 10 days? Do I come home? Do I rent a car and drive home? I still have those things in the back of my head where it's just like, man, this is an exhausting way to live. And I, it's been more than a year and a half. And, uh, so that, you know, that's, it wasn't the alcohol that made me angsty. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm, I was just being honest in my frustrations, um, not, and I've never been a the whole thing's a hoax guy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying, uh, um, you know, it's all bullshit or, you know, it, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just like I just feel like we're not having honest conversations. Yes. And uh, I think so that it, people
0: always think that misinformation is only coming from one side. And it's pretty obviously coming from both sides.
1: And that's in Seattle where we live. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't even my gig, but our, like my friend uh, Andrew Rivers, he, he had a place go, uh, we're going to do 50 percent capacity. And he's like, why? And they're like, well, we just think that's where things are headed. Like, what? Yeah. So preemptively, as a private business, you're going to cost yourself money. You're going to be like, we're just going to do that. I I just don't – that part of it is kind of weird to me um, where it's like a a – that's like a very – the most Seattle thing you could think of really is a a a – a venue taking it upon themselves to be like, we're going to make our own precautions based on nothing other than, we, you feel know, how
0: we feel like it's going to end up.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a better place than I was when I podcasted, <laughs> but uh, it is, it it's, you know, I am. Uh, it is just, you know, it's been a draining life for everyone. And uh, I, I will, but also, um, I think musicians even had it worse than comedians. But in general, the entertainment industry has just been a brutal fucking whatever it is 20 months or something.
0: I'm going to end it there so I can plug my computer back.